Hey, teachers, before we get started, we have a quick announcement. We're really excited because registration is open for our new summer workshop, Limitless Potential, an Enneagram Roadmap for Educators. One of our highest callings as an educator is to discover and develop potential. We love recognizing an undeveloped strength in ourselves or in our students. We all love witnessing those light bulb moments when we can literally see potential come to life. In this workshop, you will learn about the tool of the Enneagram. You're not just going to learn your type. You're also going to learn the key to understanding yourself and others in ways that will help improve your relationships, communication, classroom motivation and management, and ways to help reduce the effects of trauma. The more we understand people, the more we can change lives for the better. We'd love to see you June 6, 2024 in Dubuque, Iowa. For more details, head to our website at inspiredtogetherteachers.com. What is the world's most desperately needed skill that no one is talking about? Creativity. Creativity is wildly misunderstood, but it's needed right now more than ever. We're talking about why we need creativity and how you can get more of it. Welcome to season two of the Inspired Together Teachers podcast. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators who've worked with thousands of teachers, and we know the struggles you face on a daily basis. Do you want to make a difference and still enjoy your life outside of school? Together, we can tackle the overwhelm, gain clarity, and build confidence to live the life you deserve. Are you ready to be inspired? We can't wait to explore ways to improve your work life and home life so that you can live your best life. Have you ever said something like, I'm not creative? Most people think of creativity as skills in art, music, writing, drama. If you have a broader perspective, you might see that there is creativity in home design, in architecture, and landscaping. But have you ever considered that you need to be creative in plumbing or in medicine? And what does creativity have to do with schools? We all have the potential for creativity inside of us, and we need it now more than ever. Yeah, I'm really excited about this topic, Paula, because it's one we've never talked about. We've never written about it on our blog or even discussed it in any of our workshops. Which is crazy because creativity is such a big deal. If you're listening to this and you're starting to tune out because you think creativity is a topic for teachers in the arts, stick around. We're going to make a case for the importance of creativity for all of us. So why do we need creativity? Albert Einstein, who was a very creative thinker and innovator, once said, we cannot solve problems at the same level of thinking that we were at when we created those problems. Creativity is the ability to see things in new ways and bring together knowledge and experience to create things that haven't existed before. It's a skill, and it's one that we can all get better at with practice. It involves being open to asking big questions. What if? Well, how could we? How could that be done? What's the purpose of that? What is the result that we need in the end? Creativity is the key to problem solving and innovation. We need to be able to envision new ways to approach things and have new innovative ideas that can change all of our problems for the better. The expression of the arts is only one form of creativity, though that's usually the one we think of first. Oscar-nominated filmmaker Ava DuVernay said, 
Art is seeing the world that does not exist. Civil rights activists are artists. Athletes are artists. People who imagine something that is not there. Let's take a look at a couple real-world examples of creative skills. I'll start by talking about an experience I had with a plumber. We had a new faucet and a new sink all needed to be hooked up. We have an almost 100-year-old house. There's all kinds of challenges. So the plumber comes in and I gave him the new sink, the new faucet and all the new materials. He set them aside. He's like, okay, yeah, I might use some of that, but I never know what I'm going to find until I get into the walls. He looked at parts and he went out to his truck and he found an old part and a different new part that he could hook up so that the faucet would work. I walked away so impressed by him because I just thought everything he was doing was incredibly creative. I also think about that with doctors. Doctors, you don't necessarily always think of them as being creative, but I want a doctor who is creative. I don't want them to just look at my chart, look at the data and give me a diagnosis and send me out the door. I want them to talk to me and listen to me, come up with some creative ideas about what the issue might be and some creative ways that we might solve it. Future jobs are going to require new types of work and new skills that are going to involve creativity. Future work will be more about being able to make complex decisions, use critical thinking, use creativity. Technology and AI are already starting to do so much of the rote work, but we need the thinkers to creatively design them, to program them and to do the skills that a robot or AI can't creatively work through. Why is there such a lack of emphasis on creativity? It's so important, but yet we just aren't hearing a lot about creativity. In one of the most watched TED Talks ever in existence, Sir Ken Robinson is talking about the lack of creativity in schools way back in 2007. Creativity is often associated with the arts. And as a rule, we don't support the arts as much as necessary in this country. We also like our rules, procedures, benchmarks, steps, and standards. Those things aren't all bad. They all offer rigor, but we need both rigor and creativity. Creativity is often the opposite. What you find with creativity is that it's open-ended. We don't know what we're going to find. There's a lot of inquiry, a lot of questioning, and even using our intuition. In a previous podcast episode, we talked about EQ and GQ and IQ. That intuition part is really a part of creativity. They also tend to be collaborative, which tends to be difficult to measure. Sometimes you hear the phrase, what's important is what gets measured. Schools often work that way. You have to have both rigor and creativity. Let's take the example of making a cake. You're going to need some pretty established ingredients, flour and baking powder and pan for baking it. There's a recipe to make a cake that will give you rigor. If you follow all the steps in the recipe, you will end up with a cake. All of that is good. It's safe and it's tried and true. We like that in education. But making a cake also involves creativity. What different kinds of flavors can you use? What kind of frosting? How could you package it, wrap it, or serve it? The best bakeries invent new flavors and new combinations of ingredients in novel ways. If you've ever watched those baking shows on TV, you've seen the incredible artistry in cakes. 
There are thousands of Instagram accounts devoted to baking cakes, and it's not at all about the rigor of the cakes. It's about the rigor plus the creativity. In schools, we don't always see creativity being showcased. So many times in school, we've been taught that there is one right answer. We've also encouraged compliance in education. It's easy to measure, are you being quiet? Are you doing your work? Are you not challenging the status quo? We all know that children who ask too many questions or who argue against the rules or procedures are often considered disruptive. We like the rigor and the structure of the rules of compliance. Also, creativity takes time and exploration of ideas. Teachers have so many things put upon them and not enough time to do them all that creativity can sometimes take a backseat because of time. Creativity often involves being vulnerable. Sometimes new ideas are ridiculed. This may have happened to you as a teacher. You may have thrown out a new idea and it was followed by, we've tried that before, that won't work. Or no, we're not going to do that. Or sometimes worse yet, dead silence and they move on. Like you didn't even offer a new idea. There's a sense of vulnerability that sometimes people really struggle with when it comes to creativity in schools. And we always want to fit in. It's easy to hang back and not share your idea because you're thinking to yourself, what if they think my idea is stupid? Or that's that imposter syndrome we've talked about many times. You know, all these other educators can't figure it out. What makes me think my idea might work? There's always that vulnerability. People hold back sometimes. Another thing is that new ideas challenge us because it means change and many people struggle with change. It is so much safer to just stick with the status quo and do what you've always done. You know what result is probably going to happen. In times of extreme change, which requires more creative and innovative solutions, people even want to revert back to prior practices. Let's go back to the old ways, the way we used to do it in the good old days. Let's get rid of the technology. Let's go back to requiring the same book for every student. Let's require a lockstep curriculum so that every teacher will conform to the exact standards in exact the same way. We're seeing some of that in the world today. Rather than being creative and innovative, it's easy to say, let's just go back to the way we used to do it. All of these things give you a false sense of stability while ignoring that new challenges need new solutions. I like this expression. The genie is out of the bottle and you can't put it back in there. For example, I'm old enough to remember the first computers in schools. We needed to figure out how they would help us with instruction. Everybody knew Oregon Trail and where in the world is Carmen Santiago. They were fun and the kids were very engaged with it and it was all very novel. But I mean, really, this is just taking up instructional time and how is this ever going to help us to teach better? And why are we even wasting our time on this? Computers are for businesses, not for children. Now they're ubiquitous in schools and we use them in all kinds of wonderful ways. Think about the oncome of cell phones in schools. It was the same kind of issue. Well, what are we going to do with them? How are we going to use them? How could they possibly help us with instruction? There's many potentials for using cell phones for instruction. And for the most part, I'm not sure we have figured out exactly how to use cell phones successfully in schools. I have seen teachers use cell phones very creatively. 
For example, I know a teacher that has created QR codes. She made short little videos for each of the stations in her room because kids would always come up and say, teacher, can you explain again what I'm supposed to be doing at the station? She made short little videos and then put the QR code up at the station, collected old cell phones from family and friends. A cell phone still works, even if it's not hooked up to a phone number, but it can connect to the Wi-Fi. That can just be a handheld QR reader. So the kids can pick up the cell phone, they can scan the QR code, and they can watch their teacher giving them directions on the phone. That is some innovative thinking. That is taking some old information and finding a need in the classroom and rearranging things in new ways. Today, the new threat is AI in schools. In many places, the first instinct is, let's ban it. Let's find a way to block it. Let's find a way that the students can't use AI. That genie is way out of the bottle and there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. It's time to rethink what's good about it. How could it help us? How could students learn to use it responsibly, ethically? That requires creativity and innovation. It takes a lot of time and energy to spend time worrying about how to get kids not to cheat with AI instead of teaching them how to use it in ways that actually might benefit them. Almost every school and business will say that they value innovation, but yet they don't devote the time and energy and learning to do the kinds of things that innovation requires. So maybe at this point you're thinking, well, what are some specific skills and aptitudes that could help me increase my creativity? In his book, A Whole New Mind, Daniel Pink explains six high-concept, high-touch senses that we need to dig deep into to be able to develop those creative synopses in our brain so we can, as he says, reap society's richest rewards and share its greatest joys. I want to do that. Yeah, me too. So how can we do that? Let's all do that. The aptitudes that he gives are as follows. I'll list them and explain them a little bit. He says we need to really dig into design, story, symphony, empathy, play, and meaning. We all have these aptitudes, but in today's world, many of these muscles we have have not been used or used to their fullest capacity. So let's talk about each just really briefly. Design is about considering moving beyond just the function of something, how it works, to the design of it. Pink suggests not just thinking about going and creating a product or a service, but to consider how when you're creating that product or service, how can you also create something that is beautiful or whimsical or emotionally engaging? That's design. He also talks about story. He challenges us to move beyond just making an effective argument to telling a story. In our world right now, it's very much about can you create an effective argument? But he says nothing beats a compelling story. Third, he says we should look at incorporating symphony into our lives. And by symphony, he means when you put all of the pieces together, like a symphony. So often we work on synthesizing things, but we need to consider creatively exploring that big picture and finding a new way of seeing that whole picture that we don't always see when we're just trying to easily synthesize something and really compress it. Fourth, he talks about empathy. In a society that relies so heavily on logic, you can build upon your creativity by figuring out what it is that makes your peers, your friends, your family, and your students tick. 
Really, empathy is about forging those relationships and caring for others that allows you to see things that you might not have been able to see before if you were only looking at the world through a logical and analytic lens. He also says that we need to dig into play. We don't always need to be so serious. We should laugh and be lighthearted, play a game, explore your sense of humor. Yes, of course, there are times when we have to be serious, but that doesn't need to occur as often as many of us think. Play makes us more relaxed and open. It reduces our stress and it calms us. All of these things lead to creativity. Pink's final suggestion is to incorporate meaning into your life. We accumulate lots of stuff. That often stifles our creativity because we don't need to think of creative solutions because the world has already given us a product that solves many of our problems. We need to take the time then that we've been given to look for true meaning. Take that time, explore your values, your spirituality, your purpose. I just love Pink's suggestions for those six different synopses in our brain that we could be building upon. When you just talked about that last one, meaning and purpose, that's something we talk about in this podcast all the time, almost every episode. We even have entire episodes about purpose and how that's connected to motivation. And really, that one just hit home with me completely. What are some other ways that we can unleash our creativity? One is to try new things. Encourage students to experiment without the need for perfection. Experiment, expand your horizons, broaden your world. It exposes you to new ideas. Also get out of your silo. Talk to teachers of different ages and different schools. Talk to people in other professions and see what you can learn that you could bring back into your own classroom. Also use brainstorming and teach students brainstorming. Allow all the answers in the initial brainstorming. Encourage quantity over quality. We don't say that very often. Don't be quick to shut down any new or any outrageous ideas. There's going to be some ideas that would never work, but the brainstorming process puts all kinds of new things out on the table. Also use movement to facilitate thinking. Go for a walk and talk at the same time. Take a lap around the school with your teaching partner. The body activates the brain to make ideas better. Physical movement actually changes the way we think. That extra oxygen to the brain is opening up all kinds of really good thinking. Also, we've talked about this before. Get into flow. The idea from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. When we are involved in an activity, we are in the moment. We lose track of time and space. We often then open up our magic, our gifts. We see larger possibilities. It's opening up a different part of our brain. Flow requires time and opportunity. It involves having some choice of what you do and then being allowed time to actually get into the work. I worry sometimes because schools are such rush, rush, hurry, hurry, and you really need some time to get into the flow. And then lastly, really engage with the work that you're doing. In his book, Creative Schools, Ken Robinson says, this is about being a creative teacher through engagement. He says, great teachers understand that it's not enough to know their disciplines. Their job is not to teach subjects. It is to teach students. They need to engage, inspire, and enthuse students by creating the conditions in which those students will want to learn. By really engaging with the work you're doing and the students are doing, you will see your creativity soar. 
challenge the status quo with real questions. Why are we doing this? Is there another way we could do this? What would happen if listen and don't automatically shut down new ideas? We've referenced Ken Robinson a few times in this episode, so it seems appropriate to end our discussion on unleashing your creativity with Ken Robinson's definition of creativity. Creativity is the process of having original ideas that have value. He further states, In this world, there are many great schools, wonderful teachers, and inspiring leaders who are working creatively to provide students with the kinds of personalized, compassionate, and community-oriented education they need. We hope you will take away these key points from today's podcast that creativity is a process, that you have original ideas. Now you know how to use your creativity to give value back to the world. And to recap, creativity is vital to problem solving and innovation. We can all become more creative and teach our students to become more creative as well. Our creativity may very well be our gift to the world. In true teacher fashion, we end our podcast with homework. Our homework for you today is to do one thing that unleashes your creativity and enjoy the process of implementing it into your work or your home life. We won't be grading your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. So drop us a message in our email at our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com or through our social media outlets. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would go into your podcast host and write us a review. Just a sentence or two. Reviews will help other teachers to find us and it helps us to build a strong community of inspired teachers. That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers or head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.